All right, let's go ahead and turn to your Bibles this morning. We'll be in Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. While you're turning there, I want to read just a passage from the book of Psalms, chapter 37, verse 23. Many of you probably know, The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Many of you know this song. Again, we've sang it through many times as we sing through different scripture songs. But have you ever stopped to think about steps and how important they are? You know, it doesn't matter what kind of step it may be. It's something that's important when you take a step. It's, it's directing you for something. You're going in some direction. There's a reason to take that step. Some of you know I have a problem with one of my foot. Uh, my left foot, the outer side of my left foot is numb. I, I can't feel anything. So I have problems taking a step. And I may fall up or down steps. It doesn't matter. It's, it's because of this leg, because of a vehicle accident. But uh, I have to be very aware of where I'm stepping, how I'm stepping. Especially when you're on steps, I've got to make sure I get my foot in the right spot to know that it's a solid foundation. You know, there's nothing worse than knowing that your foot is just kind of there and you don't know what it's going to do. And got to make sure it's, it's firm when you're taking that step. You know, we need to be the same way in our Christian life. We need to make sure that the, the step we take, the direction we're going to go, is a solid foundation. But understanding that the Lord has given us a step, the Lord has given us some direction in our life, we've got to make sure that we follow it if we want to give Him delight. If we want to follow Him and do what He wants us to do. Again, each step is important. Each direction we go, whether we're walking to the kitchen or taking a step of faith, We've got to make sure and understand that that step is where God would have us to go. It's intentional. There's a reason for it. There are times it can be difficult to make that right step. It can be uh, awkward to take that right step. But regardless, as we're understanding what God wants, we know that's the direction we are to take. Uh, again, it's important to, to, to make that step and to go the direction God would have us to go. The steps that we are to take is what should cause delight. Not only in God's life, but in our own life. As we seek to do His will, He's going to give us the delights of our heart. He's going to allow us to follow Him and go that direction. So have you ever wondered, well, what steps is it that I'm to take? What am I to do and how am I to go about doing it? Well, that's exactly what we find here in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. So let's look here, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse number 18. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse number 18, the Bible says, Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
In our text, we find four steps that are ordered by the Lord for all of mankind to take. This is not just for those that attend church, those that are saved, but it's for everyone. If you are breathing on this earth, these are the steps that you are to take that we can enjoy and, again, see delight from God. Let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for those that are here. We thank you for those that have been faithful coming uh, week after week, service after service. Lord, we're certainly thankful for them. We're also thankful for our visitors this morning who have given up their time this morning to come and meet with us as well. And Lord, I ask and pray that you would help us to focus on your word today. Help us to understand these steps that you've given us in your word, that we can follow them and be a delight to you. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts as only you can this morning. Direct us and guide us. Help us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I would go out on a limb here and say everyone present this morning would enjoy the blessings of God. Whether it's uh, in, in their lives or whether it's for their family, for, for whoever it is, we all want God's blessings. We all want the goodness that God has for us. But to do that, we must know what God wants for our lives. You know, you can't please somebody if you don't know what it is that pleases them. And that's exactly what we find in Scripture. What does it that please God? What can we do that will be a blessing? Again, we find here in Scripture the steps that we are to take in order to do that. The very first one, obviously, is to examine ourselves. Number one is examine ourselves. Again, uh, as we find in the beginning of what I have read, we can go back and, and look at verses prior to this as well uh, to get a better understanding of what God has done for us. Look back at verse number 9. It says, He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Like, what on earth is he talking about here? What is that all about? What is it that, that God is trying to show us here? He established the law. We understand the law in the Old Testament, the things that they were required to do and to follow. God established that to, to show us who he was and give us those requirements. The Old Testament saints were required to offer sacrifices to show their devotion to God. This was also an example of what Jesus Christ would do for us. That he would sacrifice himself for our sins. God took that requirement away, the first... Because he had sent his son to die as a perfect sacrifice, which established the second... We had the law established, and now we have the idea of grace. He's given us that. He's established that because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. There's, no, uh, there's only one death that can take away the sins of all of mankind. And I'm thankful that we don't have to offer sacrifices as a way to cover our sins. We don't have to go out and find what the Levitical law considers a clean animal and bring them in and sacrifice them as they did in the Old Testament. If we did, Pastor Dustin would be a very busy person. I'm thankful we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to take that animal and give it to the priest and say, here, sacrifice it on my behalf. We don't do that because Jesus Christ offered that perfect sacrifice himself, that one death to give us the forgiveness of sin. Now understand in the Old Testament, when they gave that sacrifice, it had nothing to do with forgiveness of sin. It was in obedience to God following what was to come. Again, those in the Old Testament looked forward to the cross and what Jesus was going to do on Calvary. And we look back. So it's the same idea, the same principle, the same salvation for those in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament or in the age of grace which we live in. That one death provided one salvation. 
Again, you go back and you look in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 4. It says that it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. So again, it's not the sacrifice. It's not the animal. Again, it's just showing what was to come. It was to show them what Jesus Christ would do. What do you believe about in the idea of going to heaven? There's a lot of people that have their own ideas, their own thoughts. And by the way, your opinion doesn't matter. Because God has already established. He set the path in order. He's given us the way to salvation and to heaven. We've got to learn to follow what he has given us in his word. If you want, you can uh, understand what God has given to us. And, and the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. All roads don't lead to heaven, as some people believe or think, as some religions and denominations may teach. That's not fact. You'll not find that in Scripture. What you do find is Jesus Christ paying the way for our salvation. We've got to go through Him. We've got to understand that. Again, we can't conjure up our own beliefs and our own systems and expect God to follow along. Lord, this is what I expect. Uh, this is what I'm going to say It's going to happen, and I want you to bless it. It doesn't work that way. There are some people that say, well, you know, I can pray to God and I can change his mind. I had somebody tell me that the other day. Wasn't that what Moses did? Didn't he pray to God and it changed his mind? No. That's the way we read it sometimes. Moses didn't change the mind of God. When we pray, it doesn't change the mind of God. It gets our minds aligned with God. Again, if we're praying as we should, understanding, Lord, thy will be done, then God is changing our thoughts, our mindset, to align up with his, not the other way around. Again, there's not multiple ways of heaven. There's not multiple ways to get there. There's only one way, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Accepting the salvation that he has offered to us. It's a free gift. I'm thankful that it's a free gift. It's not something I have to pay for. It's not something I have to work up to. It's not something that I have to worry about trying to meet. Because God has already done all those things for us. He offers us a free way if we would just simply accept it. But it takes time to, to study your Bible. It takes us to, to look at it, to examine His Word, and understand His will to know His way. Now, it's not a secret. It's not something that we're hiding behind and we don't share with anybody. I've got the way and I'm not going to tell anybody. And I want to make sure. No, it's something we should be spreading. It's something we should be broadcasting to everyone. Letting them know, hey, the way to heaven is only through Jesus Christ. And it's free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work. You don't have to pay me. Nothing like that. It's free. We just have to accept Christ. But yet there's people that teach just the opposite of that. But that's exactly why, again, the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell us and get us to understand that there's one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. So we've got to examine ourselves. Do we understand that? Do we read Scripture? Do we see that? Is it clear? I hope it is. Because after we examine God's direction, we have to decide if His way is right. And if it is, then we can enter by faith. Number two this morning is enter by faith. When we are drawn by the Holy Spirit unto salvation, it is only accepted by faith. Each individual must recognize their need for salvation and accept Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. 
I can't get saved for you and you can't get saved for me. I wish it was that way. I wish I could do that for people, but we can't. It's a personal relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we have to go to Him. We have to ask Him. We have to invite Him to save us. In our understanding of that and accepting it, we believe that God's provision for salvation is all we need. Look back with me in verses 19 through 21 of our text. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a, a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say the flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Think back at the tabernacle for a moment and how <clears throat> there was a, a large veil to separate the holy of holies and the rest of the sanctuary. No one was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest once a year. He would go in there and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat as a way to offer an atonement, to offer that forgiveness, and to seek God's direction. But because God provided that way for us to enter to His presence through Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about that veil separating us from God. When Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross of Calvary, Matthew writes for us that the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. How is it that you can rip something from the top to the bottom? Now, we would understand uh, simply that, yes, it would be man's uh, idea and way of, of taking it from the bottom and ripping it up. But it didn't happen that way. It happened from the top to the bottom. Why? Because that was God saying, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary has, uh, again, created uh, a way, an access that we can go directly to God the Father. Hebrews chapter 6, verse, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are no longer required to go to that priest to have him offer that sacrifice. We don't have to go into a closet and talk to somebody else behind the screen and say, hey, will you pray for me and, and go to God on my behalf? Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. First Timothy tells us in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, man Christ Jesus. There's one mediator between me and God, and that's Jesus Christ himself. He goes on our behalf. He is there to intercede for us. He is our lawyer, if you would. Our propitiation that has, can go to God for our behalf. I don't have to worry about going to another man. I go directly to God. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He took on uh, him this sacrifice for us so that we can be brought to God. That blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary has been sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven to atone for our sins. And thankfully, God provides a way for us to enter, but we must pursue it. That provision is there, but we've got to pursue it. As the verse 22 says, let us draw near. This is something we must, uh, we must do. We find it repeated in Scripture over and over again. God invites, Jesus leads, and the Holy Spirit draws us, but it's still up to us. We've got to make the choice. God didn't create uh, mindless robots. We just walk around and do it. No, he's given us that free will. He's given us a, an opportunity. He's given us a choice to love him or not. And that's when we have to decide yes or no. 
Am I going to love God? Am I going to serve God? Am I going to do what pleases Him that brings Him delight? Or am I going to follow my own will and way? Again, it's important that we understand that. But we must draw near to that full assurance of faith, knowing God will accept us because of Jesus Christ. Having our hearts sprinkled, not just our bodies washed, which was required by the Levitical law, but to be sprinkled or cleansed with water and to be completely forgiven of our sins because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That phrase there in verse 22, for an evil conscience, speaks to those who won't allow themselves to be forgiven. There's a lot of people in churches around America this morning that are focused on their sins and what they've done. They may have asked Jesus to forgive them. They may have sought Him for that salvation, but they can't forgive themselves. You know, it's one of the hardest things to do is to forgive yourselves of what you've done wrong. But what has God done? Has God forgiven you? Again, we could go back to Scripture and find that. The prophet Jeremiah had said in, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, said the Lord, I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember them no more. Aren't you thankful for that part of that verse? I will remember them no more. He's forgiven us, which means he's forgotten. It's done. It's over with. We can also look in Psalms chapter 103 and verse number 12. For as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You know the east and the west never meet. So that's as far as away as our sins have been removed from us. The Bible says that Jesus puts them behind his back where he can see them no more. He cast them in the depths of the sea. I'm thankful that God remembers our sins no more. If we can truly go to God and believe him and trust him and ask him to forgive us. The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Not just part, not just some, but all of them. But, but you don't understand what I've done. God knows what you've done. God knows what all of us have done. And yet he's still willing to forgive. It's part of love. He loves us that much that he wants to forgive us. He loves us that much that he wants us to come and seek that, uh, that reconciliation from him. But we've got to be the one going to him. We've got to be the one to, to go and enter that provision. We understand that provision. We've got to pursue it and know that we can be made clean and pure. The last part of verse number 22 says, Our bodies washed with pure water. This was a requirement by the priest before they entered into the tabernacle. They must be cleaned before they put on the holy garments and go into the holy of holies. For us to put on God's robe of righteousness, we must be made clean by the blood of Jesus. This is all done as we enter by faith in God's redemptive plan. What a joyful time to celebrate. To understand that we've been received into the family of God as we've accepted His free gift of salvation. But then we've got to understand that we're going to have to endure opposition. Number three this morning is endure opposition. Look at verse 23. It says, let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Opposition, oppositions and trials will come. Not long after being saved, Satan will try to uh, again 
flood your mind with problems. He will try to get you to think in wrong directions and blame God for all that's going on and different things like that. But we must understand that that is Satan trying to do that. In this verse it mentions that we are to hold fast our profession of faith. This was a command given to us by God himself. Hold fast. Well, what does that mean? Uh, again, it's some terminology we don't use anymore today. Hold fast. What is that? That simply means that we're to grab a hold of it, not let go. To, to get a hold of it as best we can and never let it go. What is it that you have that you possess this morning that you're not going to let go of? Maybe it could be your family member. Maybe it could be a spouse. Maybe it could be your friends. I hope it's your faith that you grab a hold of and then you're not going to let go. But it mentions this idea of a, a profession, excuse me, a profession of faith. What is it referring to? Well, to profess means to openly declare. We're to openly share with others the salvation message, the glory uh, that we have enjoyed because of God and what he has given to us. We often refer to this as maybe giving our salvation testimony or maybe witnessing to someone else about what God has done in our lives. These are the things that we are to share openly to, again, gladly proclaim to those around us. Each one of us who have been saved have a testimony. You have an idea, a testimony of what God has done for you. When you've stopped and taken time and, and asked Jesus to save you, to forgive you of all your sins, you know the sins of what you've done, but yet God is faithful to forgive them. That is what we can share with other people. That is our testimony. You have one. I have one. I don't have yours and you don't have mine. We've all got our own story. We've all got our own uh, account we can share with others what God has done to us and for us. That's what we need to share with other people. Again, Satan wants nothing more than for those of us who are saved to ignore what we believe and understand and go back and living like the rest of the world. But that's not what God has called us to do. He says we're not to waver in what we believe. Ask yourself this question, what do I believe? Do I believe I have a true profession of faith? Let me ask it in a different way. Do you simply profess faith or do you possess faith? There's a big difference between the two. There's a lot of people in churches today that say they know who Jesus are. And they say they've accepted Jesus. They say that they know the Bible. But yet a lot of times all they know is just the answers to the questions. They've never stopped and truly accepted Christ as their Savior. You know, salvation is not just a, a big compilation of words. It's not just a phrase that you say. It's not something you come to the altar and pray the sinner's prayer. That's not salvation. And there's a lot of people that are resting in the words that they said at one time in their life. I know that may shock some of you. But it has nothing to do with the words. It has to do with the heart. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 10 tells us. Look at it just so I won't try to misquote it here. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a heart thing. It's not a word thing. We've got to believe it in our heart. We've got to learn to confess and be unashamed of what Jesus has done for us. But it all comes down to a trust in our faith. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
With a mouth, confession is made known unto salvation. Yes, we are to proclaim it. We are to share that. But what are we sharing with our words is what has happened in our hearts. And it's sad to say we've seen many people that used to be faithful in church at one time said the words, but never truly felt it in their heart. And they've gone away. They've drifted away. They've gone their own direction because they have not truly accepted what God has for us. Our salvation by grace through faith alone is something we cannot waver on. And it's something we should never doubt. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ was sent by God to pay for your sins and for mine, till we can be restored to God, then we should never allow anything to doubt our thinking. Never doubt what Jesus has done for you. Never doubt his perfect word. When people question your belief, take them back to what the book says. When they say that they don't believe what you're saying or they don't believe what, what, what you're trying to share with them, take them back to the book. Everything we understand and we believe is found in the Word of God. Too many times we get caught up with somebody else, what they say and how they say it. If we ever doubt that, tell them, show me chapter and verse. I appreciate what you're sharing with me, but where does it say that in the Bible? Because too many times people are caught up with man's words. They're caught up with what they say or what they think. I want to know what God says. I want to know what God thinks. So this is why it's important we go back to what the Bible says. There's an old song that's titled, This Blessed O Book. And this chorus goes like this. This blessed O book that I hold in my hand. It's true from beginning to end. It's a solid foundation where I firmly stand. Sin kept me from it. Now it keeps me from sin. Satan wants nothing more than to eliminate the Bible out of your life. He doesn't want you to read it. He don't want you to look at it. He don't want you to to meditate on it like we're commanded to do. He will do everything he can to keep you from reading your Bible. You ever wonder why you get so busy? You ever wonder why when you go to, I'm going to read my Bible, and the next thing you know, you're asleep? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. It happens. Why? Because Satan doesn't want us reading reading this Bible. It's that important. It's that powerful. It's that precious. So he's going to distract us every way possible to keep us from looking into his word. We should never doubt God's word. Once we've examined, entered, and endured, we can go on and encourage one another. Number four this morning is encourage one another. Look back at verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider one another and provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, But exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. One of the greatest benefits of coming to church is to encourage one another. Is to receive encouragement from each other as well. It's encouraging to me to see your smiling faces on Sunday morning, and on Wednesday nights, and on Sunday nights. And any other time I see people in the store or whatever, and they don't want to hide from me. It's encouraging for me to see people. That should be the same in our lives as well. We should come to church wanting to encourage one another. Be a help to one another. That's what this place is about. This is the hospital for the spiritually sick. This is not the, the, the great house for all, those of us who are, are better than anyone else. It has nothing to do with that. This is a place where those that are, are hurting spiritually can come and find the comfort we need. The encouragement we need to make it through the rest of the week. As we go around and we've been able to shake hands... Uh, we, we've had that idea of a 
personal encouragement. That's what verse 24 says. Consider one another. Consider one another. I know it's just a short time that we have to shake hands, but uh, think of how encouraging it is because there was a time we didn't do that. One of the wonderful COVID things, we decided let's not do that. Let's not follow this rule, whatever the case. But when we came back, was able to shake hands again. How encouraging was it? I certainly enjoy it. It's uplifting to me. So again, we've got to have that personal time. Matter of fact, this shouldn't be the only time we encourage one another personally. We should do it outside of these walls. We should take time to invite people over or get together uh, outside of our scheduled times of service so we can encourage one another and be a help to each other. This personal encouragement is not just any type, but one that has drawn us to love one another, as verse tells us there in 20, verse 23. This type of love is a brotherly love, one that would draw us to our love of God. We can get discouraged at times. We feel like we're the ones that's always giving and never getting in return. You, you understand relationships that are like that. We give, we give, we give, and we never get anything back. It's, it's sometimes we may relate that with God because we don't see God. We may not recognize the things he does in our lives, but yet it seems like, well, I just give and give and give. But God gives us so much in return. He blesses us in so many different ways. We must remember that our entire thinking, our belief system is based on God's love. Romans 5, 8 tells us, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's all based on the love that God continues to show us. And that's why we are to do good works. That good works is not based, has nothing to do with our salvation. We're not saved because of works. We do good works because of our salvation. I want to serve others because of what God has done for me. I want to help someone else because God has helped me. I want to give to somebody else because God has given to me. Those are the things that we are to teach. Those are the things that we are to do. Again, to encourage other people. We have that time of personal encouragement, but we also have a time of public encouragement. Again, verse 25 mentions the assembling of ourselves together. We come to church as an individual to join in corporate worship. We come together as a church body, as a family of Christ, to worship God together. That is our public encouragement. It encourages me that I see somebody out there who's looking back at me, smiling sometimes. It's an encouragement to those that, that work in a variety of ministries we have around the church. Can you imagine teaching a Sunday school class, but not having anybody there to teach? Could you imagine wanting to sing a special, but having no one to sing to? So it's an encouragement that we come together, that we see one another and help one another. I love it when we come together, we sing some of the great hymns of the faith. To lift up our voices together in song. As we take time to pray together. As a church, that's encouraging. That's what I need. That's what we all need. People to pray for us. Encourage us as we continue this Christian walk. Take the steps to be encouraging to one another because the world is getting darker and darker. It's getting harder and harder to live a life that is pleasing to God. So we need that encouragement from one another to, to keep going, to keep doing it. Our message to each other should be that of building up one another. To keep going for God. Keep serving Christ. Keep doing what God has called us to do. As we walk out these doors, 
we understand those we meet on the other side is a lost and dying world that may not like your message, that may not like the God of this Bible, they may not like what we have to say, but they need to hear it regardless. And this is why we're to do it in love, in good works, and share that message and be an encouragement to those around us. These are the steps a good man are to do as they've been ordered by the Lord. So let me ask this, what steps have you taken? Where are you at in your Christian walk this morning? I've given you some steps. You've got to learn to enter as we examine ourselves and know if we've accepted God's salvation or not. Then we can enter by faith that relationship as we ask Jesus to save us. Maybe you're enduring some opposition right now. Maybe you're the one that's encouraging others. We've got to find out where we are, where we stand in relationship to Jesus Christ. And I said you back.